1: Hello, welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. On today's episode, we'll be looking at United's return to pre-season, their first couple of sessions under Eric Ten Hag due to take place this week. We'll also bring you all the latest transfer news, Frankie de Jong, a deal getting ever closer. We'll bring you all the details on just how close that might be and maybe even I'll throw Samuel Luckus and Tyro Marshall under the bus and ask them when we might... Expect to see a deal take place as well. But I have teased there, the two headliners, maybe not Glastonbury worthy, but Samuel Lutkus. Tyrone, welcome to this podcast. Samuel we'll start with you. How are you doing?
2: I'm I'm doing very well, Rich. But you you are the paragon of the, the Manchester Press pack after shining light on, on the dividends of the weekend. You you got all the kudos on online for that. So we're we are we are not worthy today. You're you're the one who's worthy, clearly.
1: Yeah. Uh Ty, you had a exciting weekend yourself, though. Maybe not Glastonbury. Uh, can you tell the listeners where you uh, ventured to?
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you're on the main stage with your efforts this weekend. It'd be fair to say, Rich. I um, yeah, I spent Saturday afternoon at the Lowry watching In the Night Garden live on stage. So very. Um, was just saying pre-recording, very different to how I used to spend my Saturdays off. But my um, my almost three-year-old boy had a great time and that apparently is is all that matters once you're a parent. So um so yeah an interesting way to spend a Saturday afternoon watching watching the pinky punk flying through the air at the Lowry Theatre. I did check in and Frankie de Jong was not on it. So um so the wait goes on at the moment.
1: Yeah you were saying that your child's happiness is all that matters, but I think you find transfers are all that matters at this time <laughs> of year, Tyrone. Yeah. Um Samuel, <laughs> Frankie De Jong is the only player United fans seem to be care about so much. The deal everyone is, is talking about—it's become quite incessant. Any sort of developments, an update, and if you check social media, there is very similar updates being regurgitated over your timeline. What is the latest with United and De Jong, and is it a matter of when rather than if?
2: I think so. That's that's what I was told this morning, and I was told a bit more over the weekend, which came up with you know that that informed this story that that was done today. Uh, it's it's still progressing. It's progressing at a, a glacial pace. I mean, this is a deal that has been going on for nearly two months. I think uh, the first time the first time I got wind of it was the night of the Youth Cup final, and was that 9th of May, eleventh of May, something like that. So you're coming up for nearly. Two months there. Um, it's it's taken an awfully long time. That there, there were some issues to obviously address. I mean, the, the the player had to be prepared to come to United, and at first it didn't. All, all the noises he was making were not were not great at all. Uh, Calling Barcelona his dream club, and how they were the biggest club in the world, and. That was something that was genuine. I mean, when, when De Jong joined Barcelona three years ago, I think everybody saw that as the natural move for him. I think there was that picture of him and his girlfriend when he went to the camp Nou as as a tourist when he was about sixteen or seventeen. Uh, that they were a club that you know he he clearly was in awe of, and I don't think he ever envisaged that he would be leaving them at this time but ultimately barcelona wants sell him man united wants him ten hag has worked with him uh, ten hag has reached out to the player the player's uh, issues or concerns about playing for united which as i said in previous podcast you said we would repeat ourselves and we are repeating ourselves already uh, they've they've been they've been assuaged and uh, the only kind of new things that i was told over the weekend with the had spoken to De Jong, explained the situation. So I think everybody's on the same page as to what needs to happen and and what's going to happen. Um, The discussions are are still going on, but given that United fly to Bangkok next week, they want him in before then. He was never going to be in um, Carrington this week, just because he participates in the June international matches last month so any internationals that that played in june that united are targeting or who could join united uh, this was not the week for them to necessarily be paraded or introduced to their new teammates at carrington but next week everybody is expected back in and and that would be the time for for diong to start training if he is indeed signed in time for that It, it would not be a good look Still, as I've said, if United were to go the whole of June without signing a player, but the real key date is the departure date for, for Bangkok next Friday, which is July the 8th. If, if if United take off from Manchester Airport and there's not a single new signing on that flight, then, as I've said already, I mean, open season will have been declared on them and, and they'll be getting both barrels. So they, they need to accelerate things over the next, what? 10 or 11 days, I think it
1: is. Ty, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, we've been saying how big this summer is for United to get this new reputation in the transfer market, really. They don't want to be pushovers, so you can understand why they wouldn't just rush into accepting Barcelona's terms. You know, they want to try and show that they've got a bit of authority again. But are you concerned by how long it has taken to get this deal done? There's sort of shades of that first summer chasing Sancho about it. Okay, you might actually get the player by the end of it this time. But United's transfer strategy, you know, they wanted to get Ten Hag in early so that they'd have a, a head start, really, in the transfer window. Of course, club officials will say the window's only been open in a matter of weeks, so you're being compared harshly to, to teams who have done their business. But are you concerned by just how long it is taking United to get this deal
0: done? Um, not, I wouldn't have concerns specifically about how long it's taken to get this deal done. Um, I mean, is. You know, as Samuel touched on there, the reality is that it had been signed two weeks ago, it wouldn't really make any difference because he still wouldn't be at the club. He'd still be on holiday. So at the moment, it's not really having an impact. And if he signs this week and he's there next Monday, then that's as good as signing him two weeks ago, really. Obviously, if it drags into next week and he's missing parts of pre-season, then it becomes a concern. But I, I don't think that'll happen. I wouldn't be surprised if it was done this week. In which case, it, it wouldn't... It wouldn't concern me specifically that it took them this long to get a deal. You can see why they're driving a hard bargain. You can see why they're trying to push Barcelona and force Barcelona's hand. The concern is that they obviously want to get De done first before assessing other areas. and, And we know attack is going to be next. And there is, I think there's an acceptance that the budget is... You know, they refuse to put a number on it, but sizable, but, but clearly limited this summer. Um, I mean, sustainable is the word they always use about transfer policy these days and spending within our means. Well, those means are reduced this year because they're not in the Champions League. So it's not going to be as big a budget as it could have been. So I think it is going to be a case of get De Jong in and then empty the piggy bank and see what's left. And the one the one concern I get is that it's taken so long that if you then move on to Anthony, say, and I mean, the noises from Holland already that Ajax are slapping a pretty big price tag on him. So if you then move on to Anthony and it's another three-week, four-week saga trying to get a price sorted, then it has a knock-on effect. I'm not sure that'll necessarily be the case, but that would be the concern. There's only really room for one long-running transfer saga in a summer, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, this is the one. <clears throat> but yeah, I wouldn't be concerned at the moment that they haven't signed him, because like I said, if they signed him two, three weeks ago or sign him this week, it'll make no difference whatsoever to Ten Hag or De Jong or their ability to acclimatise in the summer. It only becomes an issue for for De Jong and for Ten Hag, I think, if he's not here by next week. And specifically, as Samuel said, not here by, by next Thursday when they head out on tour.
1: Samuel, Saturday night was all about veteran headliners proving that age is just a number. Ronaldo to Chelsea. Non starter. <laughs> that is that that is great,
2: even for you, Rich. That these 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 are the highlights of of these podcasts. Uh, yeah, that um, that spurred United into well sending me a message anyway. Just just quite quickly knocking it down. Uh, I mean, I've I've no doubt that you know, Todd Burley, the new Chelsea owner, met with with George Mendez and I've no doubt that Ronaldo cropped up in conversation, but in the grand scheme of things, uh, Mendes has got an awful lot of clients um, to to represent, and there are a lot more players who are George Mendes' clients that are likelier to to sign for Chelsea than than Ronaldo. Uh, I think United just wanted to nip that in the bud quite quickly. There was a bit of noise around Ronaldo last week. I think it started with a report in... Uh, in, in Spain, about how he's unhappy about the, the lack of uh, the lack of transfers at United. Then the following day, there was an identical report in Portugal. Then there was another report in Italy. Um, he's been linked with Roma and Sport in Lisbon. I know for a fact people at Roma think it's ridiculous that speculation. I mean, they're not they're not going to knock it down at all. They're not going to release a, a statement uh, about it. It's it's quite flattering for them to even be linked with with Ronaldo, given that. They're, they're also in the Europa League next season, and with with the Conference League, that was their their first trophy since I think the Coppa Italia in two thousand eight. So Roma are bound to be flattered by uh, by a link like that, but ultimately it's it's all unforeseeable. And I suppose with with Chelsea, um, Burley needs to show that he means business when Roman Abramovich uh, completes his takeover in two thousand three. Chelsea you know, embarked on uh, a spending spree that nobody had ever seen the likes of before, and they very much enjoyed blowing the competition out of the water. And in United's case that summer, there were two players of interest United that, that Chelsea signed when they didn't necessarily need both of them, but both did serve a purpose for them um, in the short and long term. That uh, they were Damien Duff and Joe Cole. I think Damien Duff went for seventeen million pounds, and Ferguson at the time said you know, i mean he was he went public and saying that he, he was keen on Duff, but he just said that was a lot of money that united just weren't prepared to pay and and Chelsea you know flexed their muscles to the extent that they signed a player from united in one Sebastian Veron which was a deal that was pretty disastrous um and and never he, he never seemed like a good fit for Chelsea either. So there are already parallels with what Todd Burleys is um, doing because a rebuild is required at Chelsea. He's been very hands-on as well. So I think he wants to show and prove that he's different from some of his compatriots who still live across the pond and, and delegate to people over here as, as, as to the running of, of those Premier League clubs, obviously in the case of, of the Glazer family with United and um, John W. Henry, who's, who's obviously the... Fenway Sports—they're they, the owners of of Liverpool. Um, so Burley wants to separate himself from from them. Uh, Stan cronker of, of course, you know, with with Arsenal as well. Arsenal—he's he, he, he's barely in London. So it's a very very different approach uh, that Todd Burley is taking. Whether he gets found out sooner or later remains to be seen. Again, the, him him meeting Mendes did evoke memories of. Ed Woodward meeting George Mendes in I think his second or or third summer as as United Executive Vice-Chairman and obviously him being hands-on didn't really work out too well. And and Mendes also is duty-bound to make Ronaldo relevant and to make him look coveted as well. Um, Some of the reports just prior to Solskjaer sacking last year were coming out from from Mendes because he was trying to uh, he was trying to reassure Cristiano Ronaldo that action was going to be taken, that Ole and Solskja- Solskjaer wouldn't be United Manchester for much longer. I think the Zidane, Zidane reports about him um, possibly going to United, uh, there was nothing in them. It was just the case of, well, Zidane worked with Ronaldo for however long it was at Real Madrid, uh, just over two years, I think. They won three Champions Leagues together. He's the kind of guy that that Ronaldo would would relish working for. So, Mendes is a very, very proactive operator. He's probably the best operator as well out of all the agents um, in the game. And he knows what he's doing. It doesn't do him any harm or Ronaldo any harm to be linked with, with Chelsea, who won the Champions League last year. They're in the Champions League next season. But ultimately, that's just something that United do not envisage happening whatsoever. Ronaldo leaving, never mind going to Chelsea. And as far as Chelsea are concerned, OK, they have got, you know, Lukaku is someone that they're cutting their losses of for, for a year, at least, anyway, with him going to into Milan on loan. But it seems like the main attacking addition they will be making this summer will be Raheem Sterling.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you said there, Samuel, of course, Ronaldo's got to be upset to not be in the Champions League. Of course, he wants to be winning trophies. Cristiano Ronaldo, it, that's easy to to speculate on but like you said United confident they will keep him no reason for United fans to worry and I guess Ty in the coming weeks that's going to be something for Ten Hag to address as well he's spoken previously you know that he sees Ronaldo as a big part of his plans he Ten Hag arrived at Carrington on Monday morning his first week as United manager in charge for pre-season not going to have the international stars to call upon because of their national team commitments given that prolonged holiday but there is excitement, I think, from United fans, you know, just seeing that he is actually here, it is actually real. It feels like a new dawn, a new era. Can we actually expect much, you know, from United this week in terms of training anyway? I mean, the fact that lots of these players won't be in the first team anyway suggests that it is just sort of going through the motions until the senior stars do come back.
0: I think there's probably um, a degree of that. But I think like most modern coaches, he's it's going to be, you know, the, the days of... I think modern coaches now pre-season is pretty much all ball work or a lot of ball work. The days of running up and down the nearest hill uh, are pretty much long gone. So I'm sure there'll be some um, some good work done this week. It You know, it does feel like for some players, it's a real opportunity to to get a head start, really. I mean, I wrote, I wrote a piece yesterday and mentioned three of them in, I think, Van der Beek, obviously. I think mean, he's the only midfielder who's going to be back, certainly senior-wise, this week. He knows Ten Hag and Ten Hag's system anyway. Feels like a real opportunity for him to to get ahead, especially when, if United get the young and Eriksen, it does kind of raise questions about where Van der Beek fits in, if at all, beyond where he fitted in last season, which is very little, hardly playing. So you can kind of see that scenario again. And, and also from players like Rashford and Sancho. I mean, Sancho. You know, Sancho will, will be starting on the first day of the season. I'm, I'm pretty sure I do all agree on that. But he didn't have a great first season last year. Needs to kick on. Would, is, you know, A year ago, if you'd have been told Sancho was out of the England squad, you'd have been amazed and wondered what on earth had happened. But that's the situation he finds himself in. There's one more international break before the World Cup. He would expect to be in that World Cup squad. But to do that, needs to find some form at United. Marcus Rashford, same scenario. Probably due back early this week, today, maybe, maybe in the later batch. Again, he's someone who needs to hit the ground running and improve a point. And also Luke Shaw. Um, you know, Shaw's Shaw's an interesting one. And I think it's eight years today that he signed for United. And yet eight years on, I still don't think we actually know if he's United's left back or not, and if he's if he's good enough or not. He's been hugely inconsistent, the to Piece for him on lunchtime. And he missed he missed 150 games through illness and injury across eight years now. He is very injury prone. He's had one really good season a few average ones and a couple of really poor ones. And, you know, it's, it's bizarre that a player can be eight years at a club and we still say we don't really know what his level is and, and how how good he is. Obviously, he's going to face no threat from, from Tellez. I think everyone's written Tellez off. But United are still being linked with left-backs, still being linked to the final, left-back an awful lot. Um, full-backs are obviously a, a key area, again, for every modern coach. United's generally aren't good enough. I would say Shaw is the only one of the four fullbacks they've got who would even have a chance really in in if Ten Hag got his way and could fix every position this year it was unlimited budget I think sure would be the only one who would even stay at the club um he's he's the best of those fullbacks for me but I still think he's probably got a, a point to prove to Ten Hag and to United fans really um so those you know those players who are back this week do have a head start on on the internationals the internationals probably about next Monday it might well be a case of just doing a few fitness tests and things like that. I mean, it might be in Thailand before the internationals are really doing much ball work. So, it is a chance for people like Van der Beek, Rashford, Sancho, Shaw to, to get a head start on on the new manager's methods and and what he wants from them, really.
1: Samuel, in terms of you know, like Ty said, uh, the actual squad going out on tour. Do you think there's any players who were who could play their way into even going on tour? Because I know you've said on the previous podcast, I think on last week's as well, that there's no real point doing what they did with Lukaku three years ago and taking these surplus to requirement players mm-hmm. all the way across the globe. You could argue that it's worth taking some of them to put them in the shop window and say, so you have some minutes in the first game, show what you're still capable of. But do you think the likes of wan Saka, maybe Eric Baye, do you think they're even worth taking on tour?
2: I, I say this uh, on, 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 kind of like, for the benefit of United that I hope I hope not, because I just, I don't see any benefit in, in doing that whatsoever. wan is a player that, when United got a call for Diogo Dalot, they said we won't negotiate for him, but we'd negotiate for wan What the hell is the point in taking wan halfway around the world to different time zones where you're thousands of miles away? Another relevant uh, point as far as outgoings are concerned and um, the, the need to get rid of them. If you take a player away on pre-season, and you're having about four flights or whatever it may be, and you go into uh, what they're going to Bangkok, they're going to Melbourne, they're going to Perth, they come back and they go to Oslo as well, is uh, increases the chance of them contracting COVID. Um, which, okay, fortunately for those of us who you know double jabbed, boosted, and what have you. If, if you do get it hopefully you're not going to feel it too badly but you saw last season with dean henderson he caught it just before he went back for preseason training it didn't just wipe out um his his preseason it wiped out his whole season pretty much there's a there's a real danger that a player could contract covid they'd get it really badly they'd be laid low and then the window closes and you're stuck with them so i I'm, i whether united think like that I've no idea, but they really should be. Um, I, I just do not see the point in taking, as you said, Wan-Bissaka by um, those players, are players that they they want rid of. And in Bae's case, he definitely wants to go. I can't imagine wan really fancies, you know, if, if someone gave him the, op- the option to go back to Palace, I'm sure he'd take it in a heartbeat. I suppose the issue they've got centre-half is that where it looks unlikely they're going to be flying off to Bangkok with with a new centre back in the squad. They're not going to go out there with McGuire, Varan and Lindelof. Uh, they're, they're going to have to take a couple of them. I mean, J- Jones is ahead of was ahead of Buy in the pecking order last season. Toon and was away uh, on loan last season, had a pretty disastrous time of it. But you'd say, okay, there's there's not much harm in taking him. His retail value isn't isn't that great as it is, but. It would, it would probably be logical to take him. Uh, I'd say also Anthony Martial, uh, just I don't see how he fits in United's plans. I mean, they they do genuinely think that, I mean, they are concerned that they might end up marooned with him just because nobody's knocking down the door to sign a player who scored, what, is it? Eight, nine club goals in the last couple of seasons. He's had a pretty disastrous time since of a, a pretty good uh, 2019-20 season. But there's no resale value there um, and I think with the majority of the outgoings I think most of us are anticipating United are gonna have to just loan them out because of the the length left on their on their contracts and the wages they're on uh, Wang has got what a maximum of three more years on his contract by he's got a maximum of three more years on his contract I think that's the same with Marshall as well um, Brandon Williams, I think he's he might be is he twenty twenty four with a plus one. Um, so again, they're they're all on identical contracts, and I suppose in Williams's case, he'd be another one you'd say there's no need to take him away because you've got Tellers, you've got Shaw, you've got Alvaro Fernandez who who arrived at Carrington on Monday morning there as well. So I I just hope for United's sake that. There is an element of discipline there with Ten Hag that he is decisive uh, with his decision-making when it comes to players who really have no future at the club and that they can't... I just think the whole resale value goes out of the window because, as I said, of the contracts they're on, the wages they're on, and also because it's United. They're just dreadful at selling players. Fortunately for them, it seems like Fulham have learned absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. from their past... Uh, spending in the Premier League, and they've offered them more than eight million pounds for Andreas Pereira. If, if that deal somehow doesn't go through, then you know there's there's no hope for United selling players because that one seems to have just dropped in their lap, and it, it solves a problem very very quickly.
1: Another problem that needs to be solved, Ty, is that of leadership, captaincy, and over the weekend, or maybe even towards the end of the last week, those comments from Steve McLaren serviced a surface, sorry, on the podcast that he does with his son. He said, who can you build this team around? There's not one leader, there's not one captain. It's up to everybody if they are a cultural architect to make others better. They've asked for unity, maybe for the leadership conundrum to be solved this summer. In terms of the captain's armband then, is there a candidate for you at the moment who who sticks out that you think should be given that responsibility? How do you think Ten Hag should handle it? And how do you think it actually will
0: be handled yourself? Um, I, I'm i not sure, to be honest. I'm still trying to get my head around Steve McLaren using the phrase cultural architects when it comes to, to a football team. It's the type of thing you can imagine. Uh, Ed Woodward would have loved it three years ago when he was talking of a cultural reset. I think maybe Oli Gunnar was his cultural architect. Um, yeah, it, it is a tricky one, the captaincy. Uh, I mean, I think Maguire would benefit from, from not having the captaincy basically, and just being told to go back and win your place in the team, because depending on what happens at centre-half, he's probably not guaranteed his place on form, he probably didn't deserve his place last year. I still think he's a good centre-half, I still think he's a good enough centre-half for United, but he needs to play a lot better than he has been doing, and I think he'd benefit maybe from just not having that responsibility at the moment. There's not a lot of standout candidates, I mean, I've never been convinced by Fernandes as a captain, seeing him on the pitch. I'm not sure. I'm not convinced how easily he'll fit in under Ten Hag, to be honest. Um, But, I mean, the words you hear from the, from the dressing room to Fernandes is very popular. But he just looks a winger on the pitch. He doesn't seem to project leadership. He just argues with teammates and, and referees a lot of the time, seemingly. Um, I mean, I think I'd probably go with Ronaldo. Purely, and I think I said this on a podcast towards the back end of last year, he's captained Portugal something like 125, 130 times which is incredible, really. I mean, I when I looked, I wasn't even sure he was Portugal's full-time captain and he's actually been Portugal's full-time captain for over 10 years. So he's got a hell of a lot of experience when it comes to leadership. There's been successful tournaments there. Um, he obviously managed them in the Euro 2016 final as well from the touchline. Um, so, you know, he, he's got enough experience to be, to be captain. Um, but I think that's obviously a short-term role. He's got one year left on his deal, there is an option. Would you take it at 38? Maybe. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, certainly looking at that squad, I don't think anyone sees an easy solution to to the captaincy dilemma. And I'm not sure it's one we'll get an answer on in the first sort of two or three weeks of, of pre-season. It's one I can imagine Ten Hag taking some time over just to sort of suss out the dressing room dynamics and, and see see sort of the, the characteristics of those players in his dressing room. Can
2: I? Can I just shock you? Uh, Solskjaer did use the phrase "cultural architects."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised. In
1: yeah, I'm not sure if that is a shock. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah, it
2: was that was a shock in the sarcastic sense. Can, yeah, how, can you name the player he was referring to? Because this was during McTominay. his time as United United manager as well.
0: Was it Fernandez? No, no, and no. no,
2: no. McTominay. You you were closer, Rich, with McTominay. Fred and James. <laughs> no. No,
1: <laughs>
2: it, was, it, was, it was Rashford. <laughs>
0: Rashford? <laughs> I would never have got that. No. I think,
2: I think looking up, just, I think if you just Google the phrase, it seems like the source of it was some Norwegian psychologist who worked with Ericsson while he was England coach. And of course, McLaren was Ericsson's assistant. Oh, yeah. McLaren obviously worked with Solskjaer for a period of time as well. So word has got around its come full circle back to Steve McLaren using it.
0: There's a long read there on, on cultural architects in football. One for yeah, the athletic,
2: maybe. I'll, I'll leave that to Laurie.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't want to be right on that. Um Samuel,
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask you then, following up from what Ty just said there, he made an interesting point about Bruno Fernandez next season, particularly if Frankie De Jong comes and you know, maybe he'll play a deep midfield role. He's already said at Barcelona Barcelona he doesn't get the ball as much as he wants to from the centre backs. He likes to drop deep and get the ball from there. In terms of the midfield sort of setup, then if United do get De Jong. What do you expect it to look like next season? Do you expect Fernandez to still be undroppable or do you think he might become just a player who is utilised as part of the wider squad? He, he certainly shouldn't be undroppable. He he
2: might not be as regular a starter as he was last season. You have to factor in the interest in Christian Eriksen if they get him. And even if they don't get him, you'd imagine they'd want a similar profile of player to, to come into the squad. Ericsson and and Diong are two players who are, are aligned really with what Ten Hag wants: controlling football, um, you know, considered build-up play. Fernandez is the polar opposite. He he gets rid of the ball almost as soon as he gets it. But that certainly for his first couple of seasons at United, uh, the ends justified the means. There he he can create something out of nothing. It, it was interesting the Atalanta game last season when they came back from. Two nil down, and one three two. I think Fernandes got two assists in that game, and he he probably created three or four more other good openings or opportunities. But other than that, his and I know it's a bit you know um, uh, contradictory to say this, but beyond, uh, apart from that, he was dreadful. His his overall performance level in that game was was horrendous. But on five or six occasions, he created a chance, and he was the player who was put up. Um, for the, the Zoom call afterwards. And he was he was actually asked about his own performance level, whether it was, you know, you know, not 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 particularly great despite the contributions he had that evening. And he accepted it, it wasn't. I think he was quite candid from memory about um how he'd actually in some ways fallen below uh, standards that evening, even though he'd played a big, big role in, in United's comeback. And I mean, the, the way United operate as well. They gave him a new contract in April. It would be typical of United that a few months down the line, he's on the bench or he's not a regular under the new manager, or him and the new manager just don't don't see eye to eye, or Fernandez's face just doesn't fit in in Ten Hag's Ten Hag squad at all. Um, that that new contract was just pointless anyway. Just it was it was purely to give him a, a wage hike, and it was given to him at one of the worst times possible, and then he got even worse as well. So he he's got a lot to to prove after last season. um I suspect overall that he is he is one of the players that, that you know, the majority of United supporters would like to see in the starting eleven um, on the first day of of next season against Brighton. That that were at the club last season, uh, just because he's he's banked he's banked plenty of credits and he has had. He certainly did initially, anyway, have a very good impact in his first eighteen months. But unfortunately for United, he's he, he was he was rumbled last season. And as I said, they've they've hired a manager whose whose approach is um, whose approach to football is, is different from Fernandez's. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was someone who during his United career as a player he played with with Mavericks and United traditionally like signing um, you know individualists. But that strategy, I mean, it's it, it, it felt misguided at the time, anyway, and it, it clearly has been. You only have to look at the other elite teams, the successful elite teams, the way they've gone about recruitment. That every player, that almost every player they sign, the emphasis is on the on the collective, and that's that's been almost the polar opposite at United, and that needs to change. And you know, Dion is certainly a player who what could be a potentially transformative transfer but again i think we're all in agreement on this if they end the window without a defensive minded midfielder or a a center back there who can possibly you know do a job as a defensive midfielder whoever that may be i think that they're taking a massive chance there and I, I, i it would be difficult to back them to finish in the top
1: four without that safety net ty i guess final question for you then You've mentioned as well earlier in the podcast that you would expect maybe to see Sancho starting at the, at the beginning of next season. What positions do you think right now are up for grabs in, in United's starting lineup? Because I know, like you said, fanciful, Ten Hag would be able to change wholesale the, the players that he's got at his disposal. But the truth is, there, there might only be three or four new faces this summer, and not all of them necessarily wouldn't be starters. but well, Maybe you put Frankie Giong into United's best 11. What other positions do you think there are going to the new season that, that do still need to
0: be seriously addressed? Um, right wing, I think, is a clear issue. Um, right back with, I mean, I guess at the moment you're going to say it's, it's Dallow. I'm, I'm not really convinced about Dallow. I'd be happy with Shaw at left back. Um there's one centre back roll up for grabs, I guess, depending on on who they sign. I think at the moment you'd go with Maguire and Verran. Midfield is is going to be an interesting one um, in in how it sets up because De Jong is obviously going to going to come in there and start pretty much every week. I think we'd all be surprised if Fernandez wasn't in that midfield three purely on his performances for United. It might it might turn out that. He plays 10, 12, 15 games and Ten Hag thinks this isn't working for me. Um, but I think, you know, I think Fernandes would start there. And I think if you don't sign a defensive midfielder, you almost need Fred to to make it work. You, you certainly can't go in with, say, Ten Hag, Van der Beek, Fernandes, or Ten Hag, Eriksson, Ten Hag. That would be, be a shock, wouldn't it? That um... would we bold. Have we, we ruled bold? out the player, while Jerome you, hey, yeah. Right, lads, I've looked at the midfield and I've decided I'm going to play. It's there. me. Yeah. Um yeah, sorry, with De Jong, um Erickson Fernandez, Diong de Van der Beek Fernandez, I think is is too attacking. Um, you know, it's interesting Ten Hag is prioritizing de Jong because it shows that he wants control in midfield ahead of hmm. sort of someone who's more disciplined. And I guess the way to avoid United suffered for lack of defensive midfielder because they got counter-attacked on so often last season because they lost the ball, the players were out of position. The way to avoid that is have a better structure and keep the ball better and de Jong can can help with that so i think we will be some improvement with that um so i would think be something like de Jong Fred and Fernandez. so yeah i think the the key area is obviously like i say right wing potentially right back potentially centre back um and then the other midfielder who i think will be Fred um would be my guess at, at the places that are that are probably up for grabs
1: I'm just trying to think how bad United's injuries would have to be for Ten Hag to actually come out of retirement and put himself in a himself. offensive mid. Um, I'm going to ask you both an awkward question to end the podcast then. Will United sign a player this week, Samuel? <laughs> From your own personal point of view, what's your gut saying? Do you think they will?
2: No. But, but, they will before they leave for the tour.
0: Ty? Uh, I'm going to say Yes. Brackets, Time Marshall, M E N. Um just for the for the aggregators. Um <laughs> yeah, purely guesswork, but I think I think they might do. I mean, I wrote I wrote that piece while Sammy was off about Barca's financial issues and um, you know, it was mentioned then this this June thirtieth date, which is relevant to so, the which you so, wonder yeah. yeah. coming to play this week about when their accounts close and Obviously that that swap deal they did, was it two years ago or three years ago with Juventus for Pjanic and Arthur, which has worked out for absolutely mm. nobody, um, was rushed through before June 30th, I think. So you wonder if they'll it'll get to Wednesday and Barca might just think, let's let's get it done and get that money on last year's books. Cause I think that affects their salary controls for next season, have a bit more money to play with. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with yes. But that is that is a guess before it um, ends up all over Twitter. Yeah,
2: it would be great if clubs impose their own. It's like a deadline day, isn't it? That we set yeah. our uh, own deadline day that nobody knows what to
1: sign players, and then we're not going to do anything for the rest of the window. Well, Dortmund basically did to United uh, two years ago, didn't they? With we yeah. United yeah. yeah. did yeah. listen to them, yeah. so yeah. Yeah. It, it might be uh, in vain anyway. But yeah, we we shall see anyway. Um, Samuel Ty, thank you very much for joining us today on the Manchester's Red podcast. Thank you, Rich. Thank you, Rich. And once again, thank you wherever you are in the world for listening today. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we will see you again next time.